and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad that you are joining with me today. And today is a Friday. I love Fridays. I don't know if I've said that lately, but I do. I love Fridays. Gives me the opportunity to move into the weekend and have more free time for either fun or work on the farm. However, I understand it's going to be crazy cold this weekend. And uh, I'm not looking forward to that too much. Let's see. Uh, oh, it's improved a little bit. Uh, let's see. Today is Friday, and we're supposed to have a high of 20. Tomorrow's a high of 15. Sunday is a high of 10. Uh, it was looking like it was going to be worse. So I will be able to uh, choose to go outside somewhat, but I think I'll probably prefer to do more inside. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, but 12th of February, 12th of February, we are approaching the halfway mark. That means we are a day closer to spring each and every day. I'm ready for spring. I'm tired of winter. <laughs> oh, but anyway, don't know what your plans are, but I hope you have good plans for the day and for the weekend. And it's Valentine's weekend. So, uh, hope you're planning something fun for your sweetie. I am in the, uh, uh, planning and set up for making a very, very, very nice meal. I hope my wife enjoys it. We, I was looking at having it in our lodge where we've got some heat and we've got, uh, a nice fireplace in there. But if it's going to be that cold, we may just stay inside rather than, cranking the heat out there uh, and burning a lot of propane. But anyway, I want to, I was, let's see, how do I put it? I was triggered this morning and I thought I would just kind of talk about that and why I'm somewhat triggered. So it's not going to be a bad rant. I'm not going to go, you know, off half cocked or anything. But it goes back to something that has been a growing um, interest, a growing passion over many, many years. When I was in high school, um, I didn't care that much for history. But the older I get and the more history and unique things I experience, history becomes more and more important. And I guess the... Um, uh, you, you've got a couple of things that's involved. You know, there's the old saying, uh, those who don't know, um, this is my paraphrase. I can't remember the exact words, but you know, those who, uh, forget history or don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And I do believe that we need to understand and remember history, uh, as, uh, important learning lessons, but also history if it's not taught, and I'm thinking also about local history, it's forgotten. And the people involved are forgotten. People that are, that's critical to who you are and how you are today. How many people know who their grandparents are? Well, most people do, whether they know them alive or know them dead because that's recent enough 
that most people, and I know there's always some exceptions and, you know, nothing bad about that. I mean, it happens, but most people know who their grandparents are. And probably a lot of people know who their great grandparents are. But when you get to great, great grandparents, I think the majority of people don't. And who your great, great grandparents are, third grades, yeah, that's that's such ancient history. You may know like on one particular line, but do you know all of them? No, you don't. I don't. I know who my fourth great grandfather is and grandmother is on one line. But I got a whole bunch of other fourth great grandparents I have no clue of, do not know, and will never know because when you when you're looking at stuff farther back, it gets lost to history. And there's a part of me that absolutely hates that. You also have elements of history that simply disappear due to changes, uh, changes in society, or you have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They, it just, it deteriorates and it goes away. Uh, there's uh, one of the, the groups on Facebook I really love have, often post pictures of Effingham from years ago. And I'm, I find more and more buildings that, you mean that used to be there? Really? That was there? You know, for people from Effingham, how many of you uh, remember that on the corner of Fayette and Willow, on the south west corner, there used to be an asphalt factory for making asphalt for roads? Yeah. When I was a kid back in the 60s, it was there. It stunk up my whole neighborhood whenever they would have that fired up. It's gone. It's moved. It's north of Effingham by the pilot truck stop, and it's huge now. It was a small plant back when it was it was on the edge of town at one point, but now it then it became inside the city limits and it moved. There was recently some pictures of the building where the driver's license facility is in Effingham. And uh, when it was built in 1949, it was a roller skating rink. And then it became a dance club. And uh, going back 50 years ago, REO Speedwagon played for a teen dance there. No, not a big concert, not a, you know, filling up a stadium. No, they were a brand new band out of Champagne. They were trying to just get any kind of gig. And so they played down there when it was called, when it was a teen dance club called Pollyanna. Uh, or Pollyann, one of the two. Anyway, they played there. I had no idea of that. Had no idea. And to me, that's a fascinating part of history. I could go on and on. I've got several different historical pieces myself uh, that I have been blessed to inherit uh, as part of the family. Uh, there used to be down here on the Little Wabash River, there used to be a mill 
for grinding grain, and then later they added uh, a vertical saw for uh, taking logs and turning them into lumber. And historically, that was pretty significant. They built it around 1827, 1828. And they uh, there's actually uh, some records from uh, the old courthouse when it, in Effingham County when it used to be in Ewington of where there were three men that were paid a total of 75 cents to blaze a trail from Ewington up here to the Weatherspoon Mill so that later a cart trail, a cart road, could be created for people to travel up there to utilize the mill, get their grain uh ground up into, you know, meal. Those are important things. Those are important things that are, you know, you know, forgotten. We have some of the pieces of that mill that my parents and I, with a metal detector and a garbage bag to protect it, we were, you know, trying to find stuff underwater in the river and we found some of the old metal pieces. And there was an old huge log, 30-some feet long, that was embedded in the bank. It was a sill that the mill sat on, and it was there. And until just two, three years ago, four years ago, the spring floods washed it out, and it's gone forever. But it was there. And I actually have two of only three pieces that were cut off of it back in the 1970s by my grandpa and my uncle because they it, it had become uncovered and they were afraid it was going to be washed away and lost, which eventually it did, you know, 40-some years later. But I have two of those large pieces, and I intend to keep those as historical evidence of what used to be. You see, while I don't think anybody would think bad about a mill, there's a lot of historical significance that over time, thoughts and ideas change and people, some people, think it needs to be destroyed, thinks it needs to be forgotten. And we've seen this happen in society. It's, it's a part of this cancel culture. And you see that taking place in various countries whenever they are taken over uh, by dictatorships. You saw sometimes it's the it's countering and canceling, you know, the history. Um, you know, China did a lot of that during their various uh, communist revolutions and and I would call sub revolutions that took place. You've seen other countries do this for centuries. You know, when you had statues of previous rulers, you have to destroy those so people forget them and just remember you. And, uh, or you damage the different statues as a way of humiliation to the past. And we're seeing things that take place along that line. But I'm, I'm a firm believer there's, there is a place for history. And some of that history is uncomfortable. I was able to acquire something that I find quite unique. I, I, I enjoy studying World War II history. Um, it, was, it was an incredible war that changed every nation on this planet. 
It ended empires. It freed colonies. And I mean, just so much took place. And what's interesting is the area where I live had a strong German population. And uh, during World War II, people became suspicious of, of Germans, just like they were very suspicious of Japanese on the West Coast. Uh, and people communicated back and forth with family that was still in Germany. And I was able to find at a flea market, uh, somebody had uh, purchased some stuff at an estate auction, and there was a bunch of papers from the, the World War II time period that had been sent from Germany to the U.S. So there was some level of postal communication even during the war, which I find amazing because the postmarks uh, on the letters were from the war years. And these stamps that were on the envelopes were taken off and put into a frame to be preserved by the person who, who purchased this, this box of stuff at an auction and saw this and thought, that's neat. But it, the stamps were all German postage stamps that all had Hitler on them. And I find that as an interesting tidbit of history that I'm, I'm tickled I was able to cabbage onto. Do I like Hitler? No. No. But it's a part of history. Which brings me to something from this morning. Um, if you if you go back into World War II, there was there's amazing, interesting things that happened, and I'm so glad that many of those things were recorded. But one of them <clears throat> is the story about Easy Company, and uh, let me just read a little bit. This is from rarehistoricalphotos.com. And if you go to Google and you want to read the whole story, uh, you just type in Easy Company Eagle's Nest, and it'll take you to this. I think it's the first thing. And there is a photo of the men of Easy Company. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Looks to be a dozen. And they're sitting outside with the beautiful mountains of Bulgaria in the background. They're in beautiful lounge chairs. They have bottles of wine and wine glasses, and they're all posed there for a picture, some looking at the camera, some not. But it's just a cool picture of these young men that look to be in their early 20s. And the, the story reads, Towards the end of World War II, American soldiers of Easy Company were assigned to occupation duty in Germany, specifically to Berchtesgaden. I'm going to butcher the German names. Bear with me. <clears throat> I don't do well with German. Which was the home of Adolf Hitler's famous Eagle's Nest, specifically the duty of the capture duty of capturing uh, the Kleisenhaus was given to the 101st Paratrooper Unit. Berchtesgaden changed from a strategy of a prestige objective 
This was the place where Hitler had planned his conquest of Europe, the place where he had hosted heads of state, the place where the German dictator had relaxed and held forth on various topics to an intimate retinue uh, of party cronies. It was the second seat of government outside of Berlin. Every allied unit in the area, whether French or American, desperately wanted to capture Berchtesgaden. The unit that did so would win for itself historical immortality of the conquerors of the, of the crown jewel of Hitler's empire. And it goes on. And what happened was... Um, uh, let's see. However, the 101st Airborne maintains it was the first both to Berchtesgaden and the Kleistenhaus. Also, elements of the French 2nd Armored Division uh, were present on the night of May 4th and 5th and took several photographs before leaving May 10th at the request of the U.S. Command. But here's the neat thing. This is a quote from Valenti. One of the soldiers of the 7th Infantry Regiment recalling his visit to Hitler's residence. We couldn't believe what we saw. The walls were covered with shelves, and the shelves stocked with all kinds of wines, champagnes, and liqueurs. The food bins were well stocked with a variety of canned hams, cheese, and two-gallon cans containing pickles. Valenti and his friends sat in Hitler's great room where he had once entertained heads of state and drank his wine. Before the war, Valenti, the son of Italian immigrants, had been a coal miner. He never dreamed he would get to see something like this. He persuaded a buddy to take a picture of him lounging on the hillside next to Hitler's house. So here you got these young bucks that fought their way through World War II, and they were, you know, they defeated Hitler and they captured his beautiful estate up in the mountains. And they were sitting there drinking Hitler's wine because they had defeated Hitler. They had defeated Nazi Germany. And they looked pretty darn happy. Well, that brings us to this morning. And this is the end of the history lesson, but this is now uh, my trigger. When I woke up and I grabbed my phone and pulled up Facebook, there was a pop-up. Apparently, I did a terrible thing and I was being scolded for it by Facebook. It's from uh, the post I made, this crime that I committed in today's Facebook world. It was from June 3rd, 2017. So they're going back. Coming up on, well, you know, coming up on four years. And uh, the, uh, the offensive post was this picture. The first picture on this website of all the men. It's been colorized. But all the men there, you know, the dozen that are sitting there with the bottles of the wine. They had conquered. They had defeated Nazi Germany which was like the desire, the good thing to do. And this post, it took this picture and it had above it in words, you may be cool, but you'll never be 
Easy Company, sipping on Hitler's wine on top of the eagle's nest. Cool. I think that's an appropriate statement. You may be cool, but these guys were cool. Look at what they did. What they accomplished in fighting the war, and they reached a point of conquest, and they were celebrating the defeat because would Hitler have ever offered them his wine? No. They destroyed Nazi Germany. That's cool. But no, not according to Facebook. Your post goes against our community standards on dangerous individuals and organizations. No one else can see your post. We have these standards to prevent and disrupt offline harm. So one of two things. <clears throat> Either there has been a change in how we are to remember or celebrate history. And either Facebook has determined that defeating Nazi Germany and celebrating it with the spoils of war is now bad and wrong, or whoever the little people are, by the way, this is a sarcastic insult, whoever those little people are sitting in cubicles deciding for other people what they should see and hear and be able to share from history are so ignorant of history that they don't know their left hand from their right hand, right from wrong. This is my first personal taste of cancel culture. When people decide what should be a part of history and what's not, and they are ignorant to history. Yes, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And those who don't know history should not be in charge of history. That's my beef. That's my rant. And Facebook proved that they are ignorant to what is an important, positive aspect of history. So to the little fact checkers out there sitting in your mommy's basements uh, trying to be important, or to the people that work uh, at Facebook and the other places, a tip of the hat. You're showing your cards. You're showing your true colors. And this guy's paying attention. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it. Enjoy your history while you still can, and uh, teach it to your kids. Teach history to your kids, because I don't know how much they're really getting. Take care, everybody. Have a great one. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye.